This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. My name is Susie McGinn and our guest today for this beautiful show is Father Robert Sears. He has a wonderful presentation for us today on the sacrament of marriage and so I know you're going to enjoy it. He's so gifted in this area and I'm sure many of our listeners are very familiar with his ability. So Father I'm sorry we're a little late starting today, but we're so happy to have you here. So please okay. begin. Okay, thank you very much. Just, just to uh, review what we've been doing, uh, we had the beginning of the series. It's on the sacraments and the healing aspect of the sacraments. So we did baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist as the uh, beginning, as the in, uh, beginning work of the sacraments to get us as children of God. Then we did the penance and reconciliation and the anointing of the sick as the effects of sin after baptism. And so the final two sacraments are directed to the salvation of others, holy orders and matrimony. And I chose to deal with matrimony first since it affects everyone in this life and the life to come and is presupposed by the sacrament of holy orders. So we need to start with the recognition that God himself is the author of marriage. In the first creation account in Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, 3, after God created the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the wild and tame animals, God said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness and to have dominion over the fish, the birds, and the animals, and God had created. And then God created mankind in his own image, it says. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So we were given a message by God as the first marriage, you might say, Adam and Eve, that we should fill the earth and subdue it. And we know that Jesus and the Trinity, of course, they didn't know about Trinity at that time, but God said, let us. So he was already speaking in the plural. <laughs> and the Trinity is one in love. In other words, we have a God who is a family and has made us in his own image and likeness as a family. And that's very important because uh, he said, you know, in Ephesians, the first chapter, the chapter 3 of Ephesians, he says that, let's see if I can get it right here. Yeah, I was just thinking of this one. Especially, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you in accord with the riches of his glory mm -hmm. to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones what is the breadth and length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So God was blessing us in making us in a family, 
And he said, be fertile and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So we know from Jesus that the Trinity and the Trinity that Adam and Eve were to love one another as persons of the Trinity were at love. They were to live off of the divine oneness, you know, the divine spirit of God. And in the second creation account, Genesis 2, 5, 3, these are different stages of development. The actual, the first one is the earliest, or the latest one, and the earliest is this second one. And so after God created Adam, he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it. God told him that he could eat of the fruit of any of the trees except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. So if he ate of that tree, he would die. And after naming the animals, he found there was no one like him, and it was not good for him to be alone. So God put him in a deep sleep and formed from his rib a woman, flesh of my flesh, to be his partner. However, that was not the end of the story. Eve was tempted by the snake to distrust God's command to Adam. And when the snake spoke about it, did he really say that? She exaggerated. He says, not even to touch it. We couldn't not only eat of the tree, we couldn't even touch it, or else we would die. And the serpent simply denied what God said. You certainly will not die. And they didn't die physically. They died spiritually and would later die physically. And you will be like God's knowing good and evil. And she saw that it was good. And since she didn't get the command directly, it was from Adam, she was attracted by the fruit and ate it and then gave it to Adam and he ate it. And then they saw that they were naked and hid themselves. So God found Adam out, so to speak. And while Adam blamed Eve, then she blamed the serpent. And so interestingly enough, God put the solution immediately and cursed the serpent. He goes along with our choices. God it doesn't want to force us to do anything. He's, he's looking for a free commitment because the marriage is a covenant. It demands yes on both sides. And God wanted us to be children of God. And that was a covenant call. He needed our yes. And they, at that point, missed it. And that was handed down generation after generation. So the woman would suffer pain, God said, giving birth to children. And the man would toil with the cursed earth. Their relationship would be threatened by discord. And the man dominating the woman and the woman's urge to cling to the man and their children and offspring would experience all these different things that we saw right afterwards where Cain killed Abel. They'd experience murder, infidelity, jealousy, conflicts, and would escalate into hatred and separation. And the effects would be handed down through the generations because God let us have the effects of our choices. But he was always in charge because God can't let anything happen that he doesn't mean to make good out of. And so once they had sinned, he immediately prophesied the solution. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You will strike at his heel and he will strike at your head or they will strike at your head. Who was the woman? 
we didn't haven't really made that connection until somebody linked the Old Testament with the New Testament and realized that when Jesus in John's Gospel when Mary said they have no wine and Jesus said what is that woman what is that to you and to me my hour has not yet come and Mary just uh, leave it let it be in his hands he said you know do whatever he tells you and when they did what he told them they uh, he 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 had uh, turned the 150 gallons of water into 150 gallons of the finest wine and he did that really because he was trying to restore and was restoring marriage to the sacred uh, creation that God intended in the first place. They had, in a sense, by losing that focus on God, turned marriage into something that we had to negotiate with the different uh, illnesses of the family system. In other words, and if you look at the different places, for example, the Old Testament moral conscience about the permanence of marriage was compromised. And the polygamy of the patriarchs and the kings was not explicitly rejected. They had many wives, and they still have the traces of man's hardness of heart because it moved Moses to allow men to divorce their wives. So all of this was changed when Jesus made that sign to the bridegroom of multiplying the wine, he was restoring it, and it was fully restored on Calvary. Again, Jesus said, woman. He says, woman, because she's the fulfillment of that prophecy that the woman would give birth to a son who would rule the nations with an iron rod. And this fulfilled Fred Jesus on the cross. He became the new Adam. And interestingly, he was wearing a crown and seamless garment, which were the Jewish signs of the husband wore for a week after their marriage. So the marriage of the husband and wife in the Old Testament was also a sacred event. It was a sign of God's marriage covenant with Israel. God was, in a sense, wedding Israel and so it has now been restored that Mary because she was the woman who would with her son crush the head of Satan at the death of Jesus on the cross that was effected you remember Mary said to the beloved disciple again Jesus said woman behold your son Son, behold your mother. And after that, he took her into his own. So that the beloved disciple took Mary as his healing mother. So this is, in a sense, what we had handed down. God has restored marriage to a sacrament. And we know that the sacraments are not just about human love. The sacraments are to give divine love. They are to be restored into living love with God's love, as we saw in that Ephesians text in the third chapter of Ephesians, that God made us that we would be living out of the love of God because the name of God is the name in which every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
So this is important because otherwise we won't know the difference between the sacrament of matrimony and, uh, that Catholics believe in and the weddings or civil marriages or whatever the Protestants believe in because by, the, by and large they don't see it as a sacrament. They see baptism and confirmation and other as sacraments and the Eucharist sometimes. You know, we have to really see this as a sacrament. It's meant to be lived in grace. And so that's really what is being fulfilled. So the sacred family is the foundation of the church. And ultimately, years later, then Father Peyton coined the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. So he was, in a sense, restoring the sacredness of marriage that in that what became a famous saying all around the world. He said when he was a kid in Ireland, his mother would call him and, and his eight siblings to pray. And, and he learned and spread the truth around the world. A video someone had just sent me when I was preparing this, this talk is interesting about the importance of family praying the rosary as a weapon against the attacks of faith in our day. It soon became seen by 122,000 viewers. <laughs> it is available on www.therosaryseries.com. If you'd like to see it, it's a very powerful uh, presentation. www.therosaryseries.com. All this was given to me as I was preparing this presentation. This is the family seen as God originally intended it, to prepare God's children for the restoration of living God's love. So the family is the foundation of the church, and ordination is to serve the church and to serve the family. So the church is not a building or an institution. It's a sacramental family, grounded in heaven, where we all will be brothers and sisters in Jesus' Eucharistic body of children of God, with Mary as our mother and the Heavenly Father as our eternal creator. I wasn't aware of that until somebody pointed out in Jeremiah 1.5 that it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I dedicated you, a prophet to the nations I appointed you. We are all created by Christ, by God. All the Trinity works together, so by the Trinity, before they put us in the womb. So it's the question of whether, you know, when does a child become uh, viable is immediately, <laughs> as soon as the conception, because they're created as a spirit. We're all created by God. That's why I, I, I didn't really recognize the grounding of it, but in Matthew's Gospel in the 23rd chapter, it says, Don't call anybody Father. You have one Father in heaven. There is a small work now that uh, we've been looking at and studying, which is called the, F the Father Speaks to His Children. It's the only prophecy that is given to by the Heavenly Father to us, and it was given to a sister, and, it, and uh, it's a very powerful word. 
And for those, Sister Eugenia, Mother Eugenia, and it's a very powerful word, and uh, it it can be available. We can make it available if you just uh, contact the uh, office of the radio program, and we'll give the reference. You can at least get it digitally. I think it might be out of print right now, but they're trying to reprint it because it is very important since it's the only prophetic message from the Father to us. And he wants to be known as our Father because he is. He's our creator. Before he placed us in the womb, he knew us and he pointed us to do certain things that would be our life message. In the scriptures also in Ephesians in the second chapter, the tenth verse, it says God formed us uh, with uh, goals and works that he had appointed for us in advance, that is, before we were born. So whatever family we were put in and whatever family, that is, that we grew up in, our siblings and all of that is intentional by God. And so this is a sacramental marriage. And so for the sacramental marriage, there are two gifts that are specifically appointed for that. First, they need to be willing to, uh, excuse me, the first one is that it's permanent. God's uh, love is indissoluble. And so we were restored. I mentioned before that because of the hardness of the hearts in the Old Testament, Moses uh, gave them permission to have divorce. But once you couldn't remarry the person afterwards, but that <clears throat> if they had a, a married uh, before they tried to remarry, you couldn't do it afterwards. But that would be an abomination, God said. But but the <clears throat> ultimately divorce was allowed by Moses in Deuteronomy in order uh, because of the hardness of their hearts. But Jesus had said in Matthew's Gospel later on that that wasn't as it, what it was in the beginning. In the beginning, God made them to have a permanent relationship, and that's what we're living now, that it, uh, once we are validly married, it can't be dissolved. Uh, if there is an annulment, that is because they didn't have a sacramental marriage in the first place. They weren't intending it to be an expression of God's love. But once they intended it to be an expression of God's love, that's permanent. And that can't be dissolved except by an annulment. That is to show that the marriage never was a sacramental marriage in the first place. And they, then they would be free to marry. But also with the, the fact that the, he said be fertile and multiply. In other words, marriage is for filling the earth with God's children. And that is a blessing for marriage. And so that's why contraceptives are forbidden. Because they're blocking God from the freedom to give, put uh, the ones that he chooses for certain families in those families. So we're taking over for God then. So contraception is also uh, forbidden. In any way that abortion would be an abomination because it's killing God's children. The parents don't 
create the children God does. So this is; these are all very important uh, truths, and when we have the blessing of God's love, there are gifts because children are gifts for their parents. It draws the parents together in love for a single person or all the different children that they have. And if they bring those children up in faith is what they're called to do, especially in the Old Testament, it's very clear that they are to educate the children in the faith that they have received because this is the way God's whole uh, universe is going to be populated by those that believe in the love of God. And God then can work through us for the transformation of creation into an expression of the children and the family of God. So this is really what we're intended to do. And when I pray for people, we can talk about that. I don't know whether there's going to, if there's a break at this time, we'd be feel free to take that. And then I'll speak about how I might pray for people in that situation sure. to be forgiven. Okay, Father. Yeah, we can take a break right now. It'd be just fine. And uh, Angel will put in our spots. Um, so it'll make a nice clean break, and then we'll, we'll come back. So, okay, thank you. Thank you. This is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Save the date, Wednesday, March 15th, The Terry and Jesse Show live from Dubuque at the Grand River Center, 500 Bell Street, Dubuque, Iowa. Tickets are on sale now. Go to kcrd-fm.org. Ticket customer service at 563-231-3545. Doors open at 4, Patriotic Rosary at 5, and dinner at 6. Terry Barber and Jesse Romero at 7, speaking on The Nuns. Who are they? And where have they gone? Will they ever come back? Tickets are on sale now. Go to kcrd-fm.org. Ticket customer service at 563-231-3545. Hotel rooms are available at Grand Harbor Resort. Wednesday, March 15th, the Terry and Jesse Show live from Dubuque at the Grand River Center, 500 Bell Street, Dubuque, Iowa. Tickets are on sale now. Go to kcrd-fm.org. Ticket customer service at 563-231-3545. Five. 
Welcome back to Healing the Whole Person. This is Susie McGinn, and we have the illustrious Father Sears with us again today, and he's speaking on the healing power of the sacrament of marriage. Father, please continue with this beautiful teaching on the healing power of the sacrament of marriage. Thank you. Yes, right. It's very important because God always is loves, and so when when uh, we sin, we in a sense. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, and it was handed down, because it says that in the Catholic Catechism, man's well, that the the effects of uh, the sin remain for the struggle. So even if our baptism restores us into the Garden of Eden, which it does, uh, it doesn't stay long because we're interpreting that in light of our experience with our parents that have been affected by original sin, as Jesus to the rich young man. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And so ultimately, even our efforts to be good are going to be inadequate. And I know when I was brought up that uh, I thought that God would only love us if we were without sin. You know, <laughs> But that's not true. God doesn't ever stop loving us. So his love is the foundation of everything. And so we can be restored into because Jesus took the consequences of all our sin on himself in his dying for us. And so all we need to do is admit that we've sinned and need his forgiveness and ask for his forgiveness. And that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation, because Jesus wants to forgive us. And he's asking us to pray for people that when they do see their lives as God sees it, and they realize they've sinned, that they won't lose heart or they won't harden up and not ask for forgiveness because then God couldn't give it to us because marriage is a two-way street. And it means that we have to say, yes, I do. And yes, I need your forgiveness, Lord. And if we do that, we will be forgiven. And if on our last day, say the mercy chaplet is said with somebody as they're receiving the last sacrament, the anointing of the sick, God said they could be free not just from the sin, but also from the consequences and all the suffering due to it. That's how important God's forgiveness is. So when we, uh, we need to realize that God never stops loving us. He's our Father, and he always wants us to be transformed and be filled with the love of his own family. And so when I pray for people, I always ask them first whether they are willing to choose their mother and father out of all possible parents. I was led to do this because I had postponed final vows seven years myself, and I didn't know why. And then my spiritual director, who was a healing priest himself, asked me if I'd ever chosen my father out of all possible fathers. Uh, I said, uh, no, I didn't think, I uh, never thought of it. And uh, he said, well, it's very important. And so we we did pray that, and I said, God, make up for whatever I'm not able to do, because I'm, sometimes we don't, since we haven't thought of it, we take more than one time, but it was God making up for it. And He, we now know that if we give it to Jesus, he said he would do it in us. And so we can just give it to Jesus and let him do it in us, and then when I did that, three days later, I woke up and said, now I can take final vows, and I didn't know the reason. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And But I realized later that we have an invisible loyalty and a visible love for our parents, no matter what relationship we had with them. And if we would forgive them and if we would let God choose, uh, give us that desire to love them uh, out of all possible parents, because they were chosen out of all possible parents by God to be our parents, then then we would know that when we were getting healed and going to our healing family, which is Mary and Saint, uh, the Heavenly Father, of course, is our creator, and St. Joseph is the mediator of the human father for Jesus and for us. And so I asked then if they would be willing to choose Mary as their healing mother out of all possible, because she is the healing mother for everybody. And uh, the Heavenly Father is the healing father with St. Joseph as the human representative for all fathers. Then we would be choosing them not just for ourselves, but the prayer would go back because we're embodying it. It'll go back to healing our parents because we've already chosen them as our own parents and you could say we choose as our all our ancestors would go all the way back because we become then the healing people for our ancestry for our families because god's healing is eternal it's jesus doing the healing mary said she's not the healer she's the intercessor jesus is the healer and he's divine so whatever Jesus does, it's eternal. So it goes backwards and forwards. Jesus told Louisa Picaretta that if we really were living fully the divine will, which is what we were meant to do in the beginning and what Mary was able to do because she was conceived without original sin and made a decision in the womb, she was tested just like Adam and Eve, and she made a decision in the womb never to do her will because she saw the evil that it came from it where we try to play God. I did that for a lot of times, and it just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we need to let go and let what God chooses be our norm, and he will always mean to bring good out of it because he can't allow anything to happen that he doesn't mean to bring good out of. So he couldn't create us without the effects of sin because that remained for the struggle. God doesn't simply wipe away the things that we've done. He takes on himself and his son the consequences of everything we've done, which is suffering, illness, and death. They were not allowed to stay in the garden after they sinned because Genesis says, now that they're like us, knowing good and evil, we cannot allow them to eat of the tree of life and live forever. The tree of life was not just any old life. This was eternal life. And sin cannot be allowed to live forever. We have to be forgiven and restored into life. And so those are the foundational prayers that I use for families to be healed. And there are other things, too, because we need to forgive our siblings, too. We might have problems with them. They might have neglected us or put us down or did things that we need to accept the suffering part of it with Jesus on the cross because he's already accepted it and then we have to accept it in order to be empowered to forgive them because Jesus said that's the way that souls are one souls are one he said to 
Sister Faustina, by suffering, united with the suffering of Jesus on the cross. In other words, Jesus has already taken on that suffering and forgiven them. But in order for us to receive it and to hand it on to our siblings or the family, we need to also accept the suffering with Jesus on the cross. He said that pure love is, those that love with pure love will understand that. Those who love with carnal love will never understand it. In other words, to think that suffering for other people is love is almost, well, almost really, it is impossible for those who are simply thinking about uh, uh, carnal love because carnal love is looking for something to fill me up, not just simply for the healing of the other person. And God's love is always for the healing of the other person because God doesn't need anything from us. He gives everything. He gives our life. He gives our, you know, our transformation. He forgives us. He does everything. That His love is unconditional. We are the ones that make it conditional by our conditions, but God's love is unconditional. And we have other things, too, that we probably will find out because we are affected by the effects of original sin that remains in us for the struggle. So there are different kinds of prayer that we need depending on what the issue is or how we've been hurt. And do uh, we do that for anointing of the sick and for other healing in, uh, situations? So the family is, as it were right now, the, the, the best gift that we have been given because God chose our family for us. And it's, so, it's in dealing with the issues, which I have found myself, that I am prepared now to be able to pray for people because I wouldn't know that uh, you would have had to choose your own parents first uh, if I hadn't had to do it myself so that I could be a, uh, take final vows as a Jesuit. Because if I took final vows as a Jesuit without choosing my, my father as uh, out of all possible fathers, it would be like abandoning him, a disloyalty. I couldn't, my unconscious wouldn't let me do it. I didn't know that was the reason until I actually did choose him. And I woke up uh, realizing now I could take final vows. So God was teaching me already by that situation. I had also said in the womb, I won't be a burden. And that uh, that lasted for 40, 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the question of choosing my father first lasted for 87 years. <laughs> yes, I'm now 88, so I had about <laughs> truth. <laughs> and that truth was very important because it means don't struggle with anything God allows. He can't allow anything he doesn't mean to bring God out of. Because God is love. So that's where we need to get a, a total view of God's love because he is love. And he can't do anything else. He could never allow anything that he didn't mean to bring good out of. So before he even allowed them to sin in the first place, he had the solution. He had chosen Mary to be Jesus' mother before he created anybody. Because in order to allow sin, he had to have the solution. And the solution was that Mary would be conceived without original sin. 
she would be conceived back in the garden, and she would be tested just like God tested Adam and Eve. And she made a decision, she said to Louisa Picaretta in the womb, never to do her will because she saw the evil that happened because Adam and Eve did choose their own will and were playing God. But, you know, Eve hadn't heard the direct uh, command to Adam. She got it from Adam. And so she was uh, prone to go with the the deception of the serpent who was very cunning as scripture says but uh, God I think wants to even save the spirits but that's uh, a question at least in the west is not a common understanding but I think that Satan could learn something from here because I don't think anybody knew God was so humble and forgiving that he would have his son take on us take on himself the consequences of all our sin, which is what he did on the cross. And only God, of course, could do that because he's eternal. He's In his divine self, he's eternal. In his human self, he is now has the souls, as he told Louisa Picaretta, if we really were living the divine will, we would have the souls of everybody who ever existed or ever would exist in our soul. So just as God has the souls of everybody who ever existed because they wouldn't exist otherwise, he has given that truth also to us if we were really fully living the divine will. And so the deeper we get healed, the closer we get to fully living the divine will and the more people we will be able to bring to a place where they would want to be forgiven if when they see where they stand before God with the warning was given, and we expect that is given when people die, or for everybody, if the end time, the first end times anyway, uh, is uh, in the near future. We don't know when that's going to be, but when it is, they would probably, because God doesn't force anybody to to be uh, punished if they see where they stand and want to be forgiven, just like the good thief on the cross. You remember he just said to the other thief, why do you say that? He has not done anything wrong. We deserve what we are experiencing. So he, you might say on himself the consequences of his sin. He said we deserve what we have received, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's right. asking right. him to remember me. What did Jesus say? This day See. you will be with, with me, me in paradise. What a promise. Huh? Oh, yes. It's so because beautiful. Because he accepted the responsibility and the suffering right. with Jesus. And that's what he says we need to do in order to affect sinners. Right. We need to accept the suffering with Jesus on the cross. Redemptive suffering, right? Redemptive suffering, yes. Yeah. I will send to the radio program a, a place where you can have it digitally sent to you uh, because they said that to one person that asked, they're presently out of print, but they may, I'm sure they want to reprint it. And so at some point they will have it reprinted, I'm okay. sure, because they, they're, they're sending it out gratis. In other words, you don't have to pay anything. 
but they do accept contributions. Okay. And then lastly, could we have your blessing, Father, before we go? We just yes, have a few yes, seconds left. And especially Thank the families. You. Yes, yes. Lord Jesus, we ask for your blessing. May the blessing of Almighty God and the Holy Family be upon you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with Mary and St. Joseph as their healing connections to humanity. And remain with you forever and heal all that needs Amen. healing. Thank you, Father. Thank you very much. And thank you to our listeners. Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.